Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. yeah, yeah. Welcome back. It's too late, everybody. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Willemowski. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, big cup of coffee, extra powered. Spent a lot of time out in the sun today. Yeah, so we'll see if that affects me. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about this show. I think it's gonna be great. You know how, how you... I can tell. You know how I can tell you're telling the truth is you're blinking a lot. Yeah, I blink a lot when I tell the truth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's that'll be a fun game next week. I think. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about something going on next Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. We are just a week and a couple of days away from the fourth annual It's Too Late live show, hosted by yours Real. truly as well and Dave and Mary of Liberty Late Night at the Private Bon Aqua Computer Club. That's in Bon Aqua, Tennessee, but you've got to get your tickets. You know what? Honestly, at this point, if it's too late for you to book, just buy a ticket and know that you, you're closer to God. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another way to get to heaven than I'm pretty sure other. it's in the Bible. Yeah. The other way. You know the other way. We can't. I know like, the other we way. can't. Yeah, no. But... Not today. <laughs> yeah, that's for Mondays <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm so excited. I really am. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm you know what I'm most excited for, honest to goodness. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. But honestly, everybody's no no one's coming to see the show, right? Like No. No, no one gives a shit about the show. Maybe to say but, hi to us, but yeah. They're 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 coming to they're coming to see everybody. This mm-hmm. is like our family reunion. And and you know that there's some folks out there that they don't actually have a lot of family to have a reunion with. And this is kind of it, you know? Like this is the family reunion. And um we we shall provide it. Oh. With with pudding. Yeah, we're killing them slowly. That's what we're doing. We're kicking it up a notch. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh god, I can't, like I I just I just had a pain right then thinking about yeah. food. That's kind of Do you <laughs> do you right. have you been having that? I've been having that. I don't know. I I'm on um, the dead side period right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was that. Now I've I've circled back to this is not sustainable. <laughs> All right. Um there was some news recently. Uh there was an interview by this lady named Laura Dern. Now, she's not exactly the biggest actress that ever lived, but she is most well known for having been in the original Jurassic Park. And she made some news because she kind of she kind of gave this feminist rant in this magazine, uh, something against the patriarchy or something. But what it based around was is that in the original Jurassic Park, she was the love interest of the character played by Sam Neill. But there was this there's this huge it's like a 20 year age difference between the two. And somehow that's mm. that's emblematic of the patriarchy. Um, do we have a picture of Laura Dern? So everybody knows who we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yeah that's right. Wait. Can, do you know? I, I can't tell. I don't White know. women. Am I right? They all look the same to me. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is at the end of the day, the only effect her ring really had was to make everyone aware of about just how much better Sam Neill aged than she did. I want you to take a look at this picture from the original movie right here. So there's Laura Dern with Sam Neill. In that picture, she's 23 and he's 43. And I'm not saying he doesn't look older than her, but I I don't think she, he looks like a lot older than her, you know? Like, she looks like a grown woman, not a child. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I want you, they're they're reprising their roles for the new Jurassic Park Dominion coming out. And this is a still from the movie. Take a look at this right here. In this picture, she's 54 and Sam oh. Neill, what an absolute beast. He's 74 years old. You got to be kidding me. That guy right there's 74. Man, I that's, can only hope. Yeah, that's 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 how you look when you fight raptors. Oh. Yeah. Or or baby blood, whatever. I I don't know. It's I mean, at this point it's kind of like it's 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 good to like enjoy some performances but not get it too attached to the actors because at this point like they're all in on yeah. it like, you know. All right. Yeah. Oh. Um Dave, do you have <laughs> anything to say for Laura Dern? No, I th I think that's that's fine. You know, if she wouldn't have said anything about the uh the the original role and the age difference, I I didn't notice. I never noticed that they were that that much of an age difference, so um, Sorry. Okay. Instead of that question, let me ask you the question. Did you look at the show notes? No. Okay. Oh, uh, Day, do you have any? Shut okay. up, silly woman. That would have been a bit that I made that a clip for great. this week, and now I can't do it. Oh. You know our clip from last week, four star R word, is one of our most watched clips now. But I had to edit out the technical difficulties. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? I thought I we were friends. <laughs> I thought I thought no, things I were going that. so well, and now yeah, I was nailing right. it. Um, there was a bunch of stuff in the news about baby formula. Did you? Yeah. Did you, you catch any of that? I I, I haven't really been paying attention. I saw um, a lot of memes. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure that if you're out of baby formula, but you have a baby, that you can just get like a t a tablespoon of powdered milk and a shot of whiskey, and that'll that's like the same thing as baby formula. That sounds right. All right, that's that is literally all the coverage we're gonna do for that subject for tonight's show. So I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. Um, I have a little bit of sad news to talk about tonight, though. We do have a guest later this evening, uh, so we have to be a little bit timely here. So, Dave, don't don't let me be at forty two minutes in before we head to the commercial break. All right. I'll do my best. All right. Um. I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of our friends named Glenn Horowitz. Um, you might recall on a, on a previous episode, I had talked about how there was a fan who didn't want to sign up for any of that digital nonsense. He wanted to send us, a, he wanted to send us some support in the mail. And of course, hmm. I mean, naturally I'm thinking, Oh, here comes the anthrax, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I just gave my address to some dude, <laughs> but I'll tell you what it was. It was our friend Glenn and he actually sent us a couple things. He sent me a bag of these silver coins right here. Real silver. Can can you get a shot of that right there? Like, yeah. like take a look at that. It's not. It's wow. Hold on. Let me catch it in the light. There, there we go. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but even cooler than that is for people. Some, some of you guys may have heard about these. Um, some states have these gold backs. And what it is is they, they try to take using gold but not having a currency and literally make currency and it's literally made out of gold and so this oh. this is a utah gold back right here that's made out of a thousandth troy ounce of 24k gold and it's and it's absolutely beautiful take a look at this thing right here okay wait hold, wait hold, hold on let me do the thing like they do on the the streamers do on youtube where it's like there we go okay that's there you a, go that's, that's a uh, thumbnail okay yes thank you uh, so anyway, he sent us he sent us a box of those and was talking about how much he appreciated the show, um, and 
not only that, you talk, want to talk about appreciating the show. I want you to take a look at this review that Glenn sent us. Um, a local late night show. I got to pull it up on my. I'm sorry. Ignore the picture. All right. We used to do. Uh, don't, don't worry about the picture. Uh, Glenn said, a local late night show for folks who want 100% anarchic, voluntarist, agorist content. No compromise on first principles and consistently sound philosophies. It's like coming home for me. I love these folks. It's beautiful. How about that? That's really nice. What a review, right? And now I feel bad because that was like the worst episode ever. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It was probably. It was. Pro I mean, it has Tommy Lauren's gaping maw in it, so it's probably pretty good. I don't know. Her mouth is what I was talking about. All right. Uh, you don't. I know you don't believe me. It's okay. Um, but anyway, uh, so Glenn, uh, Glenn was. I believe he was sixty years old. Uh, Glenn had. Glenn had MS. And for anybody who's who knows anything about that, you know, who's had a friend or a family member who's had to deal with MS, um, I mean, it's it's terrible. It's you know, it's it's one of those things where you can be a completely uh, normal, healthy person and you develop uh, MS, and it just it takes your life away from you. It it degrades your body. It leaves it leaves your. It's one of those things where it leaves your mind intact, and it degrades your body to the point where you you can't do much of anything. You might not can take care of yourself at all. And, um, you know, that's, I think sometimes some of us sit around and we think to ourselves, what would we do if we were in that situation? Would, would we want life to go on if we couldn't live? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, but I tell you what, uh, Glenn persevered. Uh, so a good, a good friend of mine, uh, Keith, Keith, Keith McQuarrie, you, you know, Keith, yeah. um, uh, he was friends with Glenn and he actually had this really awesome story about a couple stories one being that they helped to raise money for glenn to get one of those um uh disability accessible vans so that he could yeah. still get around town and stuff while he was still uh physically able enough to do that uh a pre a precursor to wheelchair fans for liberty oh, yeah. fans perhaps this, this was several years ago uh, and they did. They were able to raise the money for him, got him a van. He was still able to drive around Middle Tennessee and visit people and do things, which is great. Um, and another thing, of course, Keith plays music and, and their band would be playing. But, you know, for somebody that has MS and needs a caretaker and things like that, it's it's really hard for them to get out, you know, go to yeah. go to functions and stuff. Usually everyone has to come to them or they don't really get to do anything. Uh, but he actually went to a couple of concerts that Keith and the gang were playing and he wanted to film it for him, but he couldn't hold up a camera. So he would wear a GoPro on his head and watch the concert so that everybody could get like the fan experience of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All thanks to Glenn. So, so I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if this guy dealing, battling the battle that he has can tape a camera to his head and show up to a concert, and you go don't go out and support your local friends and musicians. You're a piece of shit. All right, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it like it is. Um, so when Glenn was a younger man, Glenn was a pilot. Oh. So you want to talk about having things taken away from you before before the disease struck? He was a pilot. Uh, he was originally from New York City. New York City. He was originally from New Yeah, he was from New York City, wound up settling down in Nashville, Tennessee. Um 
And he was, and by the way, uh, that's great for Glenn because we love Glenn. But all you guys, you stay there. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want your kind here. But Glenn was okay. Okay, so Glenn got to be here. He made Nashville his new home. Never even thought about going back. He loved it down here. Um, and honestly, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about him tonight is he he didn't have a lot of family. I think he only had a, some, a few siblings left. And when when I I have found through a friend of a friend that he had passed away, and I went to go look up a eulogy for him, and he didn't have one. And I thought, well, we can't have that. No. So, so uh, Glenn Horowitz was a pilot, a New Yorker, who was adopted by the South, and was a big supporter of the show. Great friend, and uh, we'll never see his like again. I feel like if in that moment you had played the ooh, nobody gives a shit, it would have been the oh. greatest one of all time. Yeah, that, that'd it, be a... <laughs> it would have been the greatest one of all time if you had hit that button. Glenn would have loved it. <laughs> you would have thought it's the greatest. <laughs> so anyway, you know what? We're before we take a break, we're gonna do what we always do. We're gonna send Glenn out of here on this one. Uh, do we have a picture of Glenn? Uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. there he there is. is. That was okay. that's the Glenn we remember right there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna be back with the meme of the week in the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Welcome back. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about tonight's sponsor. That oh. is, would be Pat Crest Botanicals. You can get 30% off on your CBD Delta 8 topical ointments, uh, candles, gummies, just anything you can imagine uh, having to do with CBD. You go to patcrestbotanicals.com. Promo code It's Too Late gets you 30% off. Actually, I have one of their products 30%. right here. I'm actually, I'm actually running out of their products. I actually have one of their products right here. This is the Ascend 3000. You want to talk about a, a way to get your day? Yeah, let's let's get a... Uh, wait, hold on. Another thumbnail. All right, yeah. That, <laughs> you know what? Let's not do that anymore, I think. I think no. that was it. All right. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> yeah, but it's too late. All one word, 30% off. Um, hey, Dave. Yes, Alan. What time is it? It's time for Meme of the Week. With formula shortage, more baby switching to whey protein powder. 
Jesus. No. Dude, <laughs> shredded. I know that baby's jacked, dude. <laughs> Man, if that if that baby wants the milk, he's gonna get it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. All right. Uh, but we. All right, get ready for it, folks. But we do have. <sighs> just brace yourselves. But we do have a bonus meme. Check out the bonus meme. Americans, after learning a group of fish, is called a school. Oh, man. All right, so gotta, anyway. Got to do what we got to do. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you, you can't let the terrorists win, you know? Mm-mm. Yep. Amen. Uh, honestly, you know, you know what you do is... I can't think of any kids that were gunned down by a a insane gunman at a public school mm-hmm. that are homeschooled. Not yeah, a luckily. one. Yeah. Yeah. So get your kids out of the camps. Yeah. I agree. And and I'll you know what I'll even go a step further because because that's what we do on episodes where we have a guest and we don't have any time is we do a whole bunch of side projects. We're gonna do a quick mm-hmm. side project. Let me tell you one logical like argument point that you can make for how fucked up the situation is is if they're going to declare these things gun-free zones which of course means nothing at all but what that really means is is that you're sending your kids to these camps where you that you have passed the baton off to the state and they're not allowing you they're not allowing your children they're not allowing them to defend themselves that means that they have taken the responsibility to mm-hmm. safeguard your children while they have them. And they're not doing it. So, at a minimum, they're... I mean, shit. Sin, sin, Tommy should be going to school with strapped, you know what I'm saying? Like, the teachers should be armed. They should be yeah. trained to use those arms. They're protecting your kids, and they're not protecting your kids. And and I'm putting and I'm putting the onus on them, by the way, because as we clearly see, the goddamn cops ain't gonna come protect your kids. They're gonna sit outside for an hour and hope for the best. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna call in SWAT and wait for them to put on all their their fancy gear and their helmets. And about an hour after the guys unloaded all of his ammunition into your kids, that's when they're going to show up with their riot shields, all right? So, at a minimum, they should be protecting your children. At a maximum, better yet, you protect your children and you don't send them to the camps. All right. That has nothing to do with tonight's show, but shit happens and now here we are. You know what the worst part is? Uh, it's it's going to happen again. Yeah. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. So there's one surefire way you can make sure it doesn't happen to your kid. So anyway, think about it. Um, God, this used to be a fun show. You know, like <laughs> if y'all quit shooting children, then we could make yeah. jokes. All right. A lot of direction I mean, we can, changes tonight. <laughs> yeah, we can't even come back from this is what we're doing June 4th by the way. We're going to we're going to lambast the audience about in, indoctrination and school shootings and then we're going to talk about abortion and r- roll credits. That's going to be the show for June 4th. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah, and there's there's going to be a lot of laugh track, laugh track, laugh track. It's going to be great. Um 
Jesus Christ. I guess let's answer the viewer mail. Let's do it. <laughs> Boy, I sapped your energy, didn't I, Dave? <laughs> Hold on. Crush it down. Crush it down. Get, yeah, get your second wind. Here we go. All right. Uh... Why do I get all these notes? Why do people try to talk to me when I'm doing the show? Do you do you get busy. that a lot? <laughs> like people don't who know. don't message you regularly during the week message you on Friday night at nine thirty. Do you get that a lot? Oh yeah, 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 I do. There, there's okay. a couple yeah. uh, repeat all right. offenders. All right. Uh, Andrew Avery writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if the gorilla of your dreams has monkeypox, would she still be your primate?" Wow. All I know about monkeypox is is that it's people like Andrew that are spreading it with that kind of comment. <laughs> that's how that's how people got monkeypox right there. Yeah, yeah. I don't dream much about gorillas. Yep. All right. Uh, Jonathan Carenza writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, what is the best song ever made? Wow. Like ever? You mean like ever written? Who makes a song? You write a song." Oh. Yeah. The, the industry makes songs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but the thing is, is that it is true that the in, that there is a lot of songs in the industry, but it's not really that hard to find out which artists are writing and producing their own music. It's usually just right there on the label. Like, it'll say, like, these songs written and produced by so-and-so. So, -and -so. so yeah. I, I do have a ton of respect for artists that they are writing and producing all their own music. Um. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, Wasted Time by the Eagles. Wow. You got one? Uh, uh, the Rock Wilder by Method Man and Red Man. It's awesome. I can listen to that over and over. That's quite a duo of tunes we just <laughs> laid out right there. You know what? Listen to mine first so it brings you way <laughs> down and you're just bawling and then listen to Dave's. Yeah. There you go. We'll make a play. <laughs> we'll make an It's Too Late playlist and it's just those two songs. All right. Um, uh, Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Dave, if you're driving to a destination and your fastest route has lots of stop and go traffic, mm -hmm. but it was still your fastest route. Would you stay on that route, or would you prefer to drive a little longer on a route with no traffic and perhaps a better view? Hell yeah. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I love I love a good view. Me, me and Mary used to drive up to like like Maine and New Hampshire and stuff for bit, some business stuff that we used to do. And when we drive home, if we had enough time, we'd put away the maps because this was before like MapQuest and stuff like that. Didn't have it on our phone. We actually had to print stuff out. But we'd put those away, and we'd... uh. We just use a compass and we just, all right, we're heading west. If we go too far north, we'll hit a lake or something or Canada and then we'll just mm -hmm. correct from there. But beautiful views, staying off the interstates, just using routes and stuff like that. We always love that. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Yes. I hate traffic. I, I particularly oh. hate stop and go traffic. <sighs> I, This is why I can't have a job where I like commute to a, a particularly long distance because I, yeah. cause I'm showing up to work angry. And is that what everybody wants? <laughs> you know, like, like come on. Um, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan and Dave, what's the best thing you've ever bought at a garage sale or thrift shop? 
Do you do, you do oh. a lot of thrifting, Dave? Actually, we we try to avoid uh well, I try to avoid garage sales and places like that. We we've got a small house and it's packed full of stuff and we don't the last thing we need is to bring more stuff into here. The best thing. I think I think it, uh I got a cool t-shirt from the Salvation Army. It was a Death Row Records t-shirt I found. It was really cool. That's all I can think of. I honestly can't remember ever buying anything from a garage sale. Oh, the office chair. <laughs> I got corrected in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I see that. It's it's a Wrong. unique position. Yeah, it's a unique position to have to have someone with intimate knowledge to correct you in real time. <laughs> I don't have that because Anna K will never watch this show. <laughs> it also means I can just say whatever I want, though, right? Yeah. Uh. Amanda Collins writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Do you think it's a wiser investment of energy, time, and capital to focus on improving your community, escaping human influence, or building a new community, and why? Mm. Wow. Like, that's an episode right there. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the whole. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Honestly... Shit. Because um, <laughs> I, because I, I feel like you, you have to do, you have to do t at least two of the three. You, you need to, you need to work on escaping influence, but that comes with uh, personal success. You know, uh, creating yeah. wealth, and that's something that everyone should be working on all the time. That's not like a well. You know, got $400 ahead, done with that, you know. Um, and then for the other one, it's that if you're if you're truly married to the community that you're in, it's, you know, maybe it's your hometown, maybe it's where your spouse lives or, or whatever, um, and, and, and you really love it and you want to give your all to make that community a home, then I say, you know, more power to you, you know. But if you're not, then... You talk about building your own community. But, you know, building a community doesn't necessarily have to be like a zip code, right? Like, we're building a community here, and our community yeah. is going to be here on June 4th, next Saturday, at the 4th Annual It's Too Late Live. Okay. Um, so, Amanda, I hope this helps. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Kintner writes, Dear Alan and Dave, what would be the first thing you'd do if you won the lottery? I mean, do you want like a real answer or a funny answer? Like, it's got to be after lawyer up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like you know, a yeah, after lawyer, um, trusted financial consultant, mm -hmm. um, doing some in doing doing some investing and things like that, paying off your debt. Like most people's real oh, answer yeah. is, is oh, I'm going to pay off my debt. You know, I'm seventy two thousand yep. dollars in debt and credit even. cards. Yeah, <laughs> I won the lottery. I broke even. Yeah. Uh, so if, if those are the real answers, I think the, I think if we want to have a fun answer, the fun answer would be yeah. like, okay, you've, you've got your affairs settled. Well, now what do you do with your money for like something to splurge on? What's something you would splurge on? I think mostly it'd, it'd be, uh, I, I, I like my job and I'd probably stick around for a little while, but I always wanted to, if, if that were to happen to me, I, I always fantasize about how I quit. We have these, uh, <clears throat> roof cranes that go all the way across the building. 
And what I want to do is I want to put on a harness and hook it up to the hook of the crane and hold the controller myself and fly across the shop like like Superman until they shut off the power and come and get me down with a JLG. I really thought this out, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. There's a cat. Yeah, a, a, a animal just walked through your studio. <laughs> it, it just It's like Nightcrawler. It just just phased yeah. in, in and out of existence. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> somebody, somebody left the door open. The strays just wandering. Oh, okay, great. Uh, I would honestly, uh, I'll give you two quick ones. One, like one personal one, one, like, like more, um, virtuous one. My personal one is, is I actually probably would build a state of the art, like TV studio <sighs> and this shit right here. Because we would, I'd have won the lottery, right? So, like, we don't actually have to be successful doing this, you and I. We just have to oh. fuck around and find out. <laughs> so, this oh, show right here. Crew? Yeah. This would Writers? basically become late night Alex Jones is pretty much <laughs> so what would happen. Um, the, the more virtuous one is, is I would probably, in, instead of, like, like, instead of, like, I've talked before about how in Colombia, um, I mean, in a lot of places, um, home values have just skyrocketed, rents are through the roof, but the median income in Murray County, Tennessee is like $29,000, but like oh. the average rent is like $1,800, and you're like, that's not, oh. that can't be, people can't no. live. So now the people who used to live here, whose families are from here, whose relatives are buried in these cemeteries, they have to go live in trailers out in the sticks and drive here because this is now too good for them. Mm. So mm -mm. I'm, I would probably develop a huge subdivision that would be like a private gated community, and I would rent it out to those people at like 2008 prices. That's probably what I would do. That's awesome. So there you go. Um, wow. but the TV studio comes first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to, you know, we, we got to do some marketing, right? Um, Clay Davis writes, dear Alan and Dave, do you enjoy an occasional cigar? Oof, no, 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 not me. I'm, I'm allergic to smoke. They're talking wow. about having a campfire next Saturday. I can't even be near it. Wow. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> So, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be a slumlord. You kill yourself. I'm not going to be a slumlord. People in chat don't believe me when I say, I say something no. nice for like once a month. You're you. like, nah, bullshit. Called it. In, in unfollowed. That's, that's what's happened. Um, you, you don't smoke cigars, do you, Dave? I... I... Maybe one a year, if that. One every couple of years. I actually have like six of them sitting on my dresser upstairs just going bad. And they might be nice ones because they're giving us gifts. But I never feel the need to go out and I don't have the patience for it. it makes my mouth taste all nasty. Let's no. just let's 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 like re-gift them as a giveaway <clears throat> June 4th. Yeah. Like if you got out. some stuff around the house <laughs> that you need to get rid of, bring bring it. Bring it down. Door prizes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have some. All right. We'll have some door prizes. So you're going to get like a shirt or a banana pudding or a cigar. <laughs> Those are the door prices. Um, Adam Sikosin wrote a question, and I'm just skipping it. But he, I, I read his name out. That's basically the same thing. Yeah, um, that's all they want. Carl Huber. Um, what do you do when you see an endangered animal that's eating an endangered plant? Um, Carl, I'm 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 gonna kind of one up you here by saying I don't think I've ever seen that. 
No. And I, and I can't imagine I will. I wouldn't recognize an, an endangered plant. Yeah. If an animal. <laughs> yeah. Like I, think I would the only say, fair I, thing to do is to eat the animal before or after he eats the plant. After you, you can't. There's no pre-crime here. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say like the only endangered animal I can think of is the bald eagle, but they're not even endangered anymore. No. So it's yeah. like I can't. I don't even. I don't know. That 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 freaking night crawler cat's probably endangered. There can't be that many of those. There, there can't be. All right. He's still stuck. Um, uh, Derek Truesdale wrote a question too, but just he can ask a question next week when I see him. Um, yeah. He should ask his viewer mail question while he's on the mm-hmm. on the unicycle. Yeah. Uh, Keith McQuarrie writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, would you consider writing and recording a sea shanty?" <laughs> <laughs> So, so remember the video we did, Sherry's send-off, which was the old-timey video that was Sherry's last time on the show, and it was like a silent movie, you know? Yeah, that was pretty sweet. So, so that was an Alan Mosley TV short. Our next Alan Mosley TV short will be you and I dressed up as old, as old privateers singing a sea shanty. Yeah. Nice. All right. Keith's a music guy. He has to help us, though. Help us, help us write a sea shanty, and we'll, we'll, we'll record it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Ryan Seifert <clears throat> writes, this is actually me saying Ryan Seifert writes because Ryan's gone again. He's banned. Uh. Jesus. Can't. <laughs> um, Ryan Seifert writes, dear Alan and Dave, do you like collard greens? Hmm. Now, I know that that's kind of a food that some of my folk around this part of the country like, but I don't eat the things that the rabbits are supposed to eat. I eat the rabbit. Uh. Yeah, I've never you know? had them. Yeah, it's just more leaves. Do you like do you like to eat leaves, Dave? Yeah, I enjoy a salad. Fucking Who knows? Liar. It might. All right. Um, Mary Lynn Willemowski writes, "Dear Alan and Dave." Oh, actually, I'm going to preempt Mary's by saying, "Dave, I told you not to let the show go this long." Look. Oh. Yep. Alan, Alan, we got to move it along. All right, Mary. <clears throat> Writes, dear Alan and Dave, did you have chores as a child? Were you given an allowance? Oh. <laughs> allowance. <laughs> well, here we go. I mean, there was definitely, you did the chores to not take pain. Yeah. Avoid yeah, doing beatings. chores meant not getting beaten, and there was no allowance. Like, the allowance was you get, you're allowed to live in the house. <laughs> sounds reasonable at yeah, least that like, part i don't understand these people you know like freaking silver spoon everybody um and finally this evening brian johnson writes dear alan and dave what is something that everyone looks stupid doing a podcast yeah 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 even joe rogan looks stupid doing a podcast <laughs> it's a great podcast but yeah I've, I, yeah yeah. Yep. That's good there one. you go. Uh, guys, we're going to be back with tonight's guest, award-winning documentary filmmaker, Jason Rink, right after Whoa. this commercial break. Stick Bye. around. Your ad could be 
playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. back to the show everybody our guest this evening is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and producer who's worked with so many people including a-list uh, a-list celebrities academy award-winning actor richard dreyfus as an example um he was the guy in jaws right yeah okay i'm just making sure <laughs> uh I, I, I'm, I'm only 36 give me a break uh u.s senators presidential candidates and more which you can find at his website which is jasonrink.com jason rink welcome to the show Hey man, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm doing really well, and I wanted to tell you really quick before we dive into it. I happened to see a post from you on Twitter earlier today, which is amazing because I thought you got banned like 17 times, um, <laughs> where you were talking about all the brave podcasters who have had you on the show so that they can get banned too. But I'll have you know, <laughs> I don't have a big enough audience where that matters, so take that. Yeah, well, I am. I'm 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 in a process. Well, number one, let me clarify something. I am still totally banned from Twitter. Um, I've lost five accounts. Uh, three of them have been my account with my name. So I had Jason Rink. Then I had real Jason Rink. Then I had the Jason Rink. And, uh, you know, my my original Jason Rink, I had 3,000 or so followers. I don't know. And then the other ones, every time I'd get to 1,000, they shut it down. So I'm, I'm, I'm at like 120 right now on another one that's just... Uh, Band filmmaker is my handle, um, but yeah, so I, I'm out there, and yeah, I am. I am posting um, a lot of the people who've had me on. I've been on a number of different shows, including Tom Woods' show and uh, Pete Quinones' show, and uh, trying to think who else. Uh, some some libertarian, you know, some some of the names that are that are known names in the small pond of libertarian podcasting, and some of the bigger names. But now I'm on with you, brother, and. You know, I'll post that and, and hopefully you don't get canceled for having me on. It's interesting that like a thousand is sort of the sort of the line. I'm going to I'm going to keep that in mind. Every time I reach nine hundred ninety nine, I'll start blocking people. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to do. Keep below the uh, radar. Definitely. Well, I, let's but before we talk a little bit more about the canceling, let's let's sort of go back to the beginning. So for uh, folks in my audience who perish the thought, but maybe they are not familiar with you or your work, uh, introduce introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and and maybe tell them a little bit about you from the before times when Cloud World began and and your every waking moment was. I wonder how long this will stay up. Yeah, well, yeah, I uh, I guess I would say the easiest way is that I'm a I. I Googled Ron Paul in 2007, right? So um, I was non-political. I don't even know how I got it turned on to Ron Paul. I'm going to say it probably was like the Alex Jones show back then because I think I I would I would listen to that. I was in Ohio every once in a while, I'd put it on. And I think I heard Ron Paul on the Alex Jones show back in 2007. And I Googled Ron Paul, started learning about him, and I was like, oh, he's running for president. What's happening here? This guy's awesome. And so, lo and behold, back then we were using Meetup, you know, to get people gathered together in real life. And I saw that there was different 
meetup groups that were happening in different places. And so I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I was like, well, I wonder if there's a Ron Paul meetup here in Columbus. And I uh, Googled meetup Columbus, Ohio, and it said like 13 people are waiting for a Ron Paul meetup. And I was like, what What does it take to start a meetup? And it was like $7 or something. And I was like, well, I have seven bucks. So I started the Ron Paul meetup in Columbus, Ohio, and you know, it ended up growing to over a thousand people. It was very active. That got me into the Ron Paul movement, the libertarian movement. Um, and I, you know, I really like to say the rest is history. But um, you know, after Ron Paul, um, I got involved in the Tea Party movement. Then I uh, ended up going coming down to to uh, Austin, Texas, and started a nonprofit that, and I ended up partnering with and funding. Uh, partially funding the Nullify Now tour with Michael Bolden and the Tenth Amendment Center, and kind of accidentally made my first film while I was doing that. We started filming the interviews and the events, and I ended up making a film called Nullification. I want to say it was 2011 that we finished that film up. Totally bootstrapped documentary, um, raised a little bit of money, um, and you know, got that out there, but had the privilege of working with, you know, Tom Woods on that and um, Michael Bolden and Mike Meharry, um, the, the usual suspects there. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of uh, that's sort of my tale, um, you know, and and I that that is my early incubation of libertarian thought or Austrian economics, all of those things. Um, I actually wrote a book on Ron Paul's life. That's on Amazon, um, which is called um, uh, Ron Paul, Father of the Tea Party. And, um, you know, you can check that out, too. Um, so I, I've I've been around for a while, I guess, is my point. And, uh, you know, that's 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 where I've been. And and um, that's a little bit about me. That's that's the early era. The later eras and why I guess we'll talk about here in a little bit is involved in once I waded my way into the MAGA movement in, in 2020. Uh, so, but we'll get into that. So uh, a quick little bit of meta question here, because uh, myself and a, and a small team had been working on a documentary of our own right right before the onset of 2020 and COVID and all that stuff. And, and it's more or less went on hiatus at that point because it was, you know, it was difficult to travel, to go get interviews, stuff like that. So I might pick your brain about that someday because God knows I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but but something that has been said to me a number of times from people who are way more prolific content creators than me, uh, I wrote a few articles. They got a few hits. And I was thinking, man, I put a lot of effort into this and I feel like it didn't get anything. And your friend of mine, Mike Meharry, said, well, it's because nobody reads. Um, which is funny, fresh coming from him, a guy who like makes his bones writing. Right. <laughs> um, so, so the meta question for you is, is that documentary filmmaker, at what point did you decide this is the medium for me? This is, this is the content that I can make, that I can do a good job of, that I feel like is going to reach, reach people's hearts and minds as opposed to the many other things that people do. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. And, um, what I would say is, you know, and listen, I'm um, I'm 47 years old, so I don't, you know, know a lot of people don't think I'm that old. Um, but, you know, when I was in high school, I used to make movies with my friends. 
Um, we were using video cameras. I went to film school uh, in um, 1992. That's where I what I was into in college. And that was like nonlinear computer editing was like just starting to be a thing. And so I was shooting on 16 millimeter and all that worked on some independent films in the 90s and then never really got into the industry, though. Um, I didn't want to go out to L.A., all of that. So I had this deep passion and desire for uh, making films and and using visual medium um, because of all of that. Well, I guess I would just say it it took me getting into the Ron Paul movement and me sort of then seeing like, oh, here's a series of topics that really pique my interest and wouldn't it be cool to make movies? And so for me, it, it, it was that. Um, and, and I would say the other thing is, is that um, I do also like to speak. I've spoken a lot. I used to be a pastor. So I've spoken from stage hundreds of times. And, um, you know, I like podcasting. I like um, sort of riffing. And so my most natural um, medium is one where I can just kind of get in, get up and just talk to people like off the cuff. But the problem with that is I also really don't like to be wrong or 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 misspeak, you know. And so the 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 truth is, is that edited video medium helps me to be more precise and accurate about what I might want to say, what I want to do, how I might want to craft uh, storytelling or, you know, put something together. And so that's that's where where for me it really comes together. I have written, writing is such a chore for me. I just can't even bring myself to do it. And so, uh, yet I have to express myself. So that's how, that's how it's been. And I, um, I did spend a season of time. Um, I w- after I made the nullification movie, I went and worked at a company called Emergent Order with, um, John Popola, who is the, you know, genius behind the Keynes versus Hayek rap videos, among other things. And John mentored me in writing, directing, and producing. And so when I had that opportunity to learn how to make content at a very high level, that's when I really feel like I I found my calling because I was like, no, I really want to do things that if if at all possible, given the resources I have and the time and the talent uh, to create stuff that competes at the highest level of content, but also is is going to move the needle on some particular issue or something that I'm interested in talking about. Well, that's you, you brought up some interesting points there in, in terms of just content creation in general. One, one of my one of my biggest I, I don't know if I'd call it a pet peeve, but uh, something I'm aware of is there's there's a certain class of people that always try to rush out their hot take whenever something just happened. Whereas I feel like obviously with something more like a documentary that you're producing, it's it's a little bit more of a big picture, Let's deep dive. Let's reflect a little bit on what happened. Um, and the problem with the hot take is, is that if you get your hot take out on a Wednesday and Thursday, the story changes. Now, what you said on Wednesday makes you look like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I totally, totally get that. Uh, so let's skip forward a little bit. What was the last time you remember working on a project where? Whether or not it was going to be banned, deplatformed, if it was seriously going to change sort of your marketing strategy, that those things weren't a concern. What was the last time that you didn't sweat that? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that I actually spent, um, once I left Emergent Order um, in 2015, I went and immediately started working on um, with a pack that was trying to get Rand Paul uh, elected in the primary, right? So in 2015, 2016, Rand was, you know, a primary candidate against Trump. And uh, obviously he didn't make it, but I did some direct political ad content creation. I had a whole team. We put out dozens or a hundred pieces of content that were targeted in different areas. And it, the thing is, is after that, I actually stopped making content that was really political per se um, for like several years because I was just trying to build my business, right? I was trying to build a commercial production company with clients that pay money um, so that I could build that and scale that as like a cash flowing asset, basically. Like I recognize that if I want to fund my passion projects, the best way for me to do it is to build a profitable business and then do this other stuff with the money I make from that. And so that's what I set out to do for, for like four years. And so I got to the place where I had some employees, I had a bunch of equipment, and I had freed up my time a little bit more that I wasn't doing the daily grind of shooting and editing and things like that. And so I really spent a number of years where I was just making regular content. I wasn't doing anything that I thought was gonna get me canceled or banned. And in fact, when I uh, decided to start making a film on the 2020 election, which is really, that's kind of what happened was I, I saw when the election went down and I saw immediately that there was this protest movement starting up around it. It reminded me kind of of the Tea Party but like more anti-establishment. I saw that there was something about uh, what was happening around Trump that was a little bit more inoculated against rhinos. Like they're just, that a lot of that stuff was there. And I was like, huh, this is gonna be interesting to see what happens here. And so I literally just reached out to Ali Alexander on Twitter and, um, you know, I, I got I got him to agree to let us meet him out in Georgia and me and a co-director of mine went out to Georgia and started shooting like, a, I don't know, it was like a week and a half after the election. And what so what happened is I just decided to go document the MAGA election protest movement. And I wasn't sure how long we were going to do it. We ended up doing it for 10 weeks, roughly. It ended up leading me to being in D.C. on January 6th. January 6th happens. I end up sort of you know, uh, getting it almost another entire movie d developed out of that. I mean, and really just was kind of like swept away and trying to document this whole thing that was unfolding. And so it, it wasn't actually until January after January 6th that I got hit with my first, um, you know, ban. Um, and so, you know, I was making this content and documenting this stuff without any thought that it was going to cause a problem for me. Now, I recognize that being involved in like MAGA and the election protest movement as a documentarian or even posting things that might be favorable about it um, could get me to be like persona non grata, right? And it like could be a problem if I want to go out and get a job at a corporation or something like I recognize that stuff could potentially be a problem. But because I work for myself, I have my own business and all of my clients are like, you know, they're not going to leave. They're not going to they don't care. 
Um, I had a lot of freedom, I felt like, to go out and just pursue something and be like, I'm not even worried about what might happen. But what I didn't anticipate was that I was going to get banned from Twitter and Facebook and then eventually Vimeo, who have lost YouTube channels. I didn't, I didn't expect that was going to happen um, when we started posting uh, trailers for the film that we were in production on. Well, I, get ready for a moment of silence because I'm going to ask you about the post-January 6th world uh, here momentarily. But I've, I've got one more for you before we get to the day that lives in infamy. All right. Uh, now, now you, you talked a little bit about uh, not maybe perhaps being cognizantly aware of the culture but not, not thinking too, too much about how, well, I don't think this is going to shut my business down because I associate it with this person or that person. But that's a really interesting question, I think, for a lot of people out there. Because there's there's definitely sort of this feeling in, in our community in particular um, where there's sort of there's sort of two camps to it. There, there's, there's one camp that says, I'm just going to do the best I can and try to live my best life. And I'm not going to judge myself or others based on what kind of stands they do or don't take because I because I get it like you can't you can't get fired because you said the wrong thing. Um, on the other hand, there's people that say, but if we don't if we don't put our money where our mouth is, then what, what are we doing? We're not really accomplishing anything. We're just, we're just hiding from the Gestapo. So, so with that sort of framework in mind, um, how, how do you make the balance between wanting to cover the things that you genuinely are interested in? It's not that you yourself are a crazy domestic terrorist. It's just that these are happenings. These, this is history being written before our arms. I want to document it. Um, versus, What's too hot to handle for your career? Yeah, well, so I've burned all the boats at, at this point um, <laughs> because uh, I'm I'm actually embroiled in a bit of a controversy right now that I'm not uh, ready to talk about publicly, but uh, it I'll likely be talking about this very soon about a short film that I have out there on Nick Fuentes and. Um, uh, and, and depending on how some things go over the next 24 to 48 hours, um, this, what, what I will end up sharing about this story is going to probably shock some people when it comes to, uh, the level of cancellation, uh, that is starting to even happen in places that you might not expect it. So let me just, let me just leave it at that. But, um, what I, what I, what I, what, what essentially this has been a, like a, a radicalizing effect on me, frankly, because what the, the first thing that really happened was when we were out uh, covering the Stop the Steal movement, we ended up interviewing this guy in December of 2020 uh, after the election. He was out on the road, just some guy that was interesting. We saw him in D.C. We saw him in Phoenix. We decided to sit down and interview him. Well, when January 6 rolls around and we didn't think we'd really we didn't think much of this guy. We were like, oh, we may not see this guy again. Well, when January 6th rolls around, uh, you know, an image hits the internet and me and my co-director realize, oh, that's Jake. That's the guy we interviewed in December. And it was the Q shaman dude. And he was standing in the middle of the Senate. And so we're in DC, January 6th. This guy that we know and has a cell, we have a cell phone number, becomes the face of the day. And we're like, oh my God. So we reached out to him to see if he would interview with us the next day, and he agreed to it. So we ended up sitting down for over an hour with the Q Shaman, and he told us the entire story. 
And then he was arrested two days later and has been in jail ever since. So we ended up getting like the exclusive only telling of the tale that will ever be done in that moment. Um, and we decided to build a documentary around it. And and when that moment happened, we realized we had something significant. And it, I was like, this is relevant. Like a story about this guy, like this is going to meet the Netflix scroll, you know? And so like we went out and interviewed his family, his lawyer. We started getting all this footage. We decided to cut a trailer together about the film because we wanted to make people aware of it. And we posted it like January 12th, I think. And it it got like seven, eight, nine thousand views in just a few hours on YouTube. I posted it to Twitter and Facebook. And within 12 hours, I was permanently banned from Twitter and Facebook. No recourse, no reconsideration, just gone because of a trailer about the Q shaman. So it wasn't like pro-Trump. It, it, it wasn't like, hey, the election was stolen or anything like that. It was literally kind of a funny interesting trailer about this really interesting, weird, like guy who everybody knew and recognized. And, you know, what I began to recognize was that, oh, uh, and we got in conversations with different, um, we the film has been pitched up and down the chain to the Netflix, Amazons, A&Es, Hulus. Executives have seen that have been pitched this film. And nobody's interested in it unless he's the Osama bin Laden of January 6th. And so like I recognize, oh, the political narrative is what's at stake here. This is what the problem is. This is why I was canceled. I was like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they, they said we were inciting violence or whatever. And so, but that's just not true. And so to this day, I still don't have those accounts back. And, um, th but the same is true with the other film we're doing because we have a whole film we want to release called The Steel, which is just about the movement, the grassroots movement that rose up around it. And I'm like, well, I have no home for that either. Like, there's no one's going to take that film. You know, I'm going to have to release that independently. And then, you know, and and in the process of this, I was still having other things that were happening to me. Eventually, we I, I lost my entire Vimeo account, which had 4,000 videos on it. I used it for business. And the reason I lost it was because I uploaded the uh, rough cut of a short film that we're working on uh, about the America First host, Nick Fuentes, who is very, very, very controversial. Um, and that film is about how the federal government seized a half million dollars of his money, put him on a no-fly list, and has not charged him with a crime. And he's also been deplatformed from like 40 different services. And and I, I saw this story and I'm like, wow, this is an incredible story. It doesn't matter if you like Nick. It doesn't matter if you hate his ideas or you think he's a terrible person. Like due process in and the federal government doing that to anybody is a, totally absurd and it should outrage any of us. And but then that film also has created all of this other heat for me because there are people inside the libertarian movement who are like, don't don't want anything to do with this. People have asked me, why would I make a film on somebody so quote unquote toxic? And I'm like, listen, this is the uh, th these are the stories that need to be told. Like these are the canary in the coal mine stories. These are the narratives that have to be undermined because the, the federal government and big tech and 
in corporate media are using these narratives to move things in a particular direction in our society. And so over this whole period of time, I've just been slowly like burning the boats and I've been sort of like, you know, okay, well, there's no going back and I'm going to ultimately like have to make a decision on whether or not I want to work with the Toyotas and the Aston Martins of the world, which I used to do, and whether or not I want to just cater my business and what I do professionally um, to work with people that are not going to cancel me and then try to find ways to do an end run around uh, the current media environment in order to get my work out into the world. And I'm going to tell you, it is a massive challenge. Not everybody can do this. And people who are scared of speaking out because they have a lot to lose. I don't blame those people. Like, I think you've got to be, you know, really, really wise about the decisions you make in there. And you have to try to do things to make yourself cancel proof in your job, geography, relationships, like money, all of this stuff. You've got to do everything you can to try to create a situation where you can't be canceled. And so that's actually what I'm attempting to do now is I'm attempting to step forward and just be like, fine, I'm just going to be the most canceled filmmaker in America. I'm going to just make the most provocative content that still supports and puts out the ideas of radical freedom and liberty, um, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, uh, cancellation be damned, I guess. Well, I so I I do agree with you on that. I, I try not to be judgmental of people that are having to pick their battles because they've they've got lives to live and families to feed and that sort of thing. Because it's I'm I'm always reminded it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Um, but a, a couple of things I want you to kind of expound upon because there's there's a lot to unpack in there, and, and we don't. I mean, we could do this seven days a week and not and not touch at all. <laughs> uh, is sort of the sort of the concept of being radicalized that you you maybe approach some of these topics thinking well I'm I'm just going to cover it because that's that's what I do I think it's an interesting story more than I necessarily have an agenda um and yet because of the backlash that you've received that then steers you in a direction of oh obviously I hit a nerve right you know uh and 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 the other thing that you you sort of already talked about a little bit being the how troubling is it for other people like yourself, for, for people in, in the content sphere, for other documentary makers or just or just journalists or independent media, whatever, whatever you want to say? How troubling is it to try to be an objective viewer and and cover things as with as little slant as possible? Yet that's still not enough, isn't it? It, there's there's no there's no amount of even kill you can be that's going to save you from the ban hammer if it finds you because you talked about the wrong thing. It's not even what you said. You you even broached the wrong subject. Yeah, and you know, I mean, look, the I guess I'm 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 getting to the point where I'm sort of like, no, I'm actually a propagandist, you know, because. <laughs> When I look at the different documentaries that HBO or whoever else has done on January 6th, I'm like, yeah, though that's pure propaganda. Like that's that's exactly what it is. Dude, I was there. And so like I look at what what's greenlit and I'm like, yeah, it is it is supporting the existing narrative. And so when originally what I want to do is I want to be I want to be, you know, uh, 
fair and balanced or whatever. Um, what it what it does over here is I'm like, wait a minute, there's already people out there creating the the narrative supporting content. I want to be counter narrative. Like if if that adheres to truth, you know, if that adheres to the facts. And so I'm not talking about being a propagandist in a way that it's like, oh, I'm trying to not be truthful. No, that's the funny thing is, is I'm like, wow. So if I tell a story in this way that occurs to me as truthful and accurate and I'm going to be shut down for it, you know, what I can do is I can complain and be like, oh, the hypocrisy or whatever. Or I could just be like, OK, fine. I'm just unapologetically going to seek out the most pr provocative stories and tell the ones that I want to tell from the perspective that I want to tell it, which is one that will bring a magnifying glass to things that are anti-freedom, anti-libertarian, anti-liberty. Um, and like, and I have an agenda, which is like to show, hey, on January 6th, the government has weaponized the DOJ and has kept people in solitary confinement for 300 days. And that's not right. And it's like, and these people aren't violent and whatever. So it's like, it's like, the funny thing is, is that all I wanted to do was just make movies, you know, and now because I've gotten slammed so hard, I've, I lost a hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue because I was running digital marketing for clients. I cannot run ads on the Facebook ad network, period. I'm totally banned. It's like I've invested my own capital in these projects. And it's like they may never see the light of day or turn a dollar profit. And it's like, you know, that has a way of um, of uh, of radicalizing you a little bit, you know, where it's like. And the other thing is, is that I'll just say the, the other thing that is has happened is that, you know, the Joe Rogans of the world and the Tim Pools of the world and certain people who've achieved a certain level of status as a content creator Many of these people are kind of cancel proof now, but it's because they had all of this opportunity to build their following and be their provocative selves out there in the world. That is gone almost entirely now. And so it's like, it, what's happened is it's like cut off the bottom rungs of the ladder of establishing yourself as a content creator out in the world because you can't even get to a thousand followers. You can't even talk about certain ideas that it, you used to be able to get in under the radar. Now you can't. And so what I fear is that there, there's not going to be this other new crop of, of, of anti-establishment, counterculture content creators that can rise up and become the next Tim Pool or the Joe Rogans of the world because the, the platforms cut you off at the knees. And so that's what I've experienced. You know, fortunately, Tucker Carlson had me on his show back in November of last year and that really put our project on the map. But it's like, you know, without that, most people wouldn't even know what is going on with me. Well, Jason, we're we're starting to run short on time, and there's a million other things that I wanted to talk to you about. So I, I think you're just going to have to come back if you're not <laughs> just totally appalled by your appearance here. There's, I wanted to talk a little bit about chain of custody and election fraud and a million other things. So I think what we're going to do oh, is man, we're going to do... Oh, man, I'll come back. Tom, Tom okay. had me on for two episodes. I'll do a second part with you, man. I'd love to. Um, All right. Well, there you let's go. Make that happen. All right. Well, we're, we'll wrap up with a really quick lightning round. Uh, since you're a guy who's who's I'll been keep at the, the scene, short. I'll keep them short. Okay. 
you've been at the scene, you've been at some of these huge events, you've documented them, so I'm going to ask you a handful of questions just to see how much you don't care about being canceled. Or don't care about me being canceled, I guess, is what the, the real question is. Uh, number one, do you think that more years than not enjoy election fraud of some kind? Yeah, um, so what I would say is that I think that there's been election integrity problems in our system for a very, very long time. And I would say that um, 2020 was specifically uh, egregious and that I think that the establishment has trotted out the line, the safest, most secure elections in history is like an overcorrection. They're like protesting too much, right? And so I, I do think that 2020 was particularly egregious for a number of reasons. Uh, but I do think that election integrity has been an issue for decades in this country. All right. Question number two, since you, you sort of already touched on it. Do you believe that the 2020 election cycle was such a level of election fraud that it did genuinely sway the outcome? Uh, so I'll keep this short. The answer for me is yes. And you touched on this a moment ago. What po most people don't realize is that there was almost no chain of custody um, in the ballot drop boxes in many states. There was no surveillance in many states. And that in many states, the rules were changed in unconstitutional manners according to their state constitutions, which would necessarily make many of those votes cast illegal by constitutional, uh, you know, from a constitutional perspective. So, yes, I do believe that. I do believe the outcome likely would have changed or would have changed, you know, uh, I do believe the outcome would have changed. Two more. Well, technically three, because we have a viewer mail question. Uh, next one. Do you believe that the whole era of the COVID pandemic age that we've lived in was largely used as a cover to exponentially increase the power of big tech and the deep state? Yeah, so I believe that um, essentially three things came out of that. Number one, I believe that it was a managed decline of the economy to take out the last leg of what Trump was able to run on. Um, number two, I think it helped to usher in the big tech, um, you know, censorship arm. Um, and number three, I think it was to create cover um, in the case that they needed to um, fortify the election. All right. Next to last one. If, if you had a guarantee right now that the next documentary you produce would be seen by everyone, it would not be in any way canceled on any platform, and you had an infinite budget, what would be the topic of that documentary? Um, man, I think I would probably do it on national divorce. It would almost be like the, the sequel to nullification. Um, I think there's a really, uh, really powerful film that I would make that would leverage the sentiment on the left uh, to try to get them to understand that balkanization in, in the United States would lead to the most peaceful outcomes for us. Gosh, I got to steal that idea. That's a great one. Good answer. All right. Last question for you, Jason, before we wrap up. Michael Bolden asks, dear Jason, what is Teen Wolf's favorite food? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Michael, you put me on the spot here. I do not know what Teen Wolf's favorite food is, but I do know that uh, Teen Wolf's favorite activity is to wolf out. That's my final right. answer. 
I just I just want you to know because I know nobody else gets it. I just want you to know that Michael Bolden demanded I ask you that question, but he didn't even deign to explain the insider baseball for me to understand the question. And I don't think I want you to either. I think we'll just let it. We ride. have to leave that as a pure mystery. It's 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 a mystery. It's a secret between me and Michael, frankly, and very few others on the inside. But I love that guy. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on brother. This has been a long time coming and, uh, I hope we do it again soon. We definitely will. Jason, where can people go to support you and your content since, since we're running out of places yeah, where yeah. they can go? Yeah. You can check out my podcast that I haven't put any out episodes out for a while at cancelproof.tv. You can also go to qsentmemovie.com to check out the, uh, major film project that we're wrapping up this year uh, about the Q Shaman in January 6th. All right. That sounds great. Jason Rink, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. I really appreciate it. We we will have you back. Hopefully, hopefully it won't take us years to make that happen, but we will have you back. Right on, brother. Thanks. Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Stick around. <laughs> If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. We're now on Odyssey. Go find us on Odyssey. It's too late with Alan Mosley or Alan Mosley TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can get us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. That's thanks to Anchor FM. It's anchor.fm slash TV. <sighs> oh, casual now. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just... It looks yeah, nice. We're, we're going to take it all off during the credits yeah. anyway, aren't we, Dave? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Every week. Dave, do you have a final thought? Yeah, that was a, a great interview. Fun show. I'm still really beating myself up about that miscue at the beginning of the show. Ruined everything. That's fine. This is how I learn. <laughs> Next week's going to be even better. Is it, though? It is. It's oh. going to be amazing. Next week. We still have to decide. We're, we're still taking submissions, folks. We need an idea for our next tier list because Dave and I kind of have a show to prepare next Saturday. We ain't, we ain't got yeah. time for this Wednesday business. So what we what we thought we might do is we would just get a tier list and just record the tier list, and we would just put that out on Wednesday. But actually, yeah. actually, when you guys are watching us on Wednesday, do like a 45-minute tier list about some bullshit. Me and yeah. Dave are taking all the event cash and going to like Tucson or something. Tijuana. Oh yeah, yeah we're going to TJ. <laughs> Fuck yeah, son. All Hell right. Oh yeah. Um, we didn't make that much money, Dave. Come on now. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I hope to see everybody next week on Saturday. Won't that? That'll be so. I'm. I'm excited. So excited. Yeah. It's it's gonna be great. You guys are gonna see me eat ponchos and then have some kind of medical episode and then be yeah. and then be right back in it for saturday it's gonna be great <laughs> um hope to see are we doing a are we doing an after party 
small one. Yeah, let's, I think that's okay. Let's, let's do an after party for long enough to get our tier list suggestion, and we're out. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll take good. some suggestions. Guys, thank you so much for watching another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. Gotta take off the jacket so everyone can yeah. see how how slim we're off I'm now. getting. Yeah. Oh no, we're still on. Oh, I always forget that. Yeah, quit quit yelling racial epitaphs at me, please, Jesus. Dude, I was, I was I... drinking that whole interview, and now I don't know how to operate this tie. Oh, fact check this podcast is going to be there <laughs> next Saturday. Ryan, Barry, everybody. Dude. It's gonna be the who's who, yeah, the libertarian, it's, whatever. It's gonna. It's really more the who's that, you know. 